Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place. Activate Tampa is April 3rd through 4th. Don't miss this opportunity to be activated in the prophetic gifts with Dan McCollum and his world-class team. Check out all the details on our Facebook page now. Well, we've been in this series called Body of Miracles. And I know many are trying to find chairs right now. That's good. We just want to make sure everybody has a seat, Um, a comfortable seat. So you're welcome to sit on the carpets. That's fine. But there should be enough chairs for everybody. Um, we've been in this series. It's super important. Uh, and it's not, it's not surprising to me that Jehovah Sneaky has lined this thing up perfectly. You know, we are in, this is the eighth part of this series. And I went to Israel in the middle of it. And we, I, we actually, you know, it's been taking a while to get through. But today is very um, timely because we're talking about the seventh miracle in the Gospel of John where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after an illness. I didn't plan that. We were supposed to be done by now. I'm not trying to be whatever. This is God. You can take it up with him. And so I just I want to jump into that really quickly. But what we've been saying this whole time is that if we are the body of Christ, are you the body of Christ? Yeah. If we are the body of Christ, then we must be a miraculous body. Thank you, Frankie, for the support on the front row. You can shout me down anytime, bro. I'm into it. We must be a miraculous body. It's non-negotiable. It's not a side issue. They'll know we are Jesus' disciples by our love for one another, but they will only know the Father by the power of God. I have been proving that week after week, week after week. You can go back and watch all of these on our YouTube channel. You can uh, listen to all of them on our podcast. I encourage you to do that. But today I'm going to tie a bow on it, and I need to address this fear thing going on. So that's why I'm going quick here because the first miracle needed in the body of Christ today is the eradication of fear. We need to be a walking, talking, no fear zone. We need wisdom and fearlessness to marry. We do. We do. So I need to give you a little bit of teaching on that if that's okay. And then we'll jump into the story of Lazarus. And I got to go fast because I love you and you have other things to do today. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to keep you. It's good. Here's the deal with fear. Fear is simply faith pointed in the wrong direction. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Well, fear is the assurance of things you don't hope for, the conviction of things you don't want to see. Fear and faith use the same exact muscle. This should encourage you. If you have a lot of fear in your heart today, watching online here in this room, don't be ashamed of it. If you have fear in your heart, all that should tell you is you have a great capacity for faith. Your ability to fear is your ability to have faith. So the more fearful you are, the more faith-filled you're called to be. I see I see the real pandemic. I know the corona thing is an actual pandemic. I know it fits those qualifications. But you know what fits better qualifications? The fear pandemic going around. Fear is infected more than corona ever will. Absolutely. It is true. There's a fear pandemic. You know what that tells me? There can be a faith pandemic. And I'm prophesying that there will be one. And Tampa is the epicenter. It's going to break out from this room. I've said it since the beginning of the church. I don't care about doing a holy huddle. 
We all come in here like, I'm holy, you're holy, we're holy, yay. Stop it. So annoying. Makes me want to throw up. It does. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not going to lie to you. It makes me want to throw up. We're not going for a holy huddle. We're going for a holy virus. And this is that. This is it. The faith pandemic is breaking out. Don't get too close. You will catch it. Say amen. 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 That's what I'm calling for. And here's, oh man, I'm going to do it. This is the third time I preach this message and I've said both times before. I don't know if I'm going to share this part, but I feel like this permission in my heart. So I'm going to do it. There's a biblical path to overcoming the enemy. Would you agree that we should take the biblical path to overcome, not just our ideas, right? The biblical path. Here it is. Revelation 12, 11. They conquered him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. And that's where everybody stops reading. Uh, that's where everybody stops quoting the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, brother. Like it's not the end of the sentence. I went to English class. There's a comma. I believe that means you pause and then keep reading. Blood of the Lamb, word of their testimony, and for they love not their lives unto death. (laughs) Listen, if you're in Christ, you have died already. It says that when you say yes to Jesus, you've been crucified with him, in union with him, died with him already. That's why the book of Revelation also says you will not be harmed by the second death. Because you've already experienced a spiritual death. You will not even feel it when the physical comes. Jesus gave up his spirit. It wasn't taken from him. He gave it. Stephen, at his stoning, gave up his spirit. It wasn't taken from him. He gave it. You cannot be killed. You can only give up your spirit. And let me tell you right now, if you're afraid of death, you already have. You already have given up. This is, can you see why I struggled about doing this on live stream? I struggled with it. But it's the Lord. It's the word of God. It's not, my opi- it's not my opinion. I know it's radical. But if you have a fear of death, you need to repent. You've already died with Christ. If you've never given your life to Jesus and have a confidence of eternal life, you need to do it today. We're going to have a team here at the end. You need to lose your fear of death through salvation. And many of you have been saved, but have gripped onto that fear and held onto it. You haven't let it go. Today's the day to let it go. You can't kill me. All you can do is do me a favor. <laughs> Philippians 1.21 says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If you die, you win. This is the Bible. This is how you overcome the enemy. You love not your life unto death. If you lose your life for my sake, you will find it, Jesus said. But if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. This is what he's talking about. We break the fear of death off of you in Jesus' name. Say amen. Amen. All right, that was easy. Because when you receive righteousness, there's actually a result. Say there's a result. 
of righteousness. When you receive righteousness because of what Jesus has done, not because of what you've done, there is fruit on your tree already. I'm going to read about it to you. Psalm 112, 6 through 8 in the Passion Translation says, Their circumstances, meaning the righteous, speaking of the righteous, their circumstances will never shake them. And others will never forget their example. They will not live in fear or dread of what may come, for their hearts are firm, ever secure in their faith. Steady and strong, they will not be afraid, but will calmly face, say calmly face, calmly face every foe until they all go down in defeat. We need to stop calling fear wisdom. Stop it. Have the true wisdom from above that says, I, there's bad news, but I will not fear it. One translation says, the righteous will never fear bad news. One translation of this, this verse. Have you been made righteous by the blood of his cross? The fruit is you will not fear. It's not that we're ignorant of bad news. It's that when it comes, because it will, in this world, you will have tribulation, Jesus said. Consider it pure joy when trials of many kinds. That's why, you know, we got, uh, yeah, you might be a little weird about the fact that we're celebrating today. We're considering a pure joy that our nation is under trial. I know this doesn't fit your churchianity box, and I'm glad. I'd love to break it to you. You need to break the churchianity off of yourself and get into the true faith. Celebrate. Celebrate what the Lord has done. That's what faith looks like in the midst of trial. It looks like joy. We need to use wisdom. Okay. Whose wisdom? The wisdom that's from above. The wisdom that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Jesus got some bad news about his friend Lazarus. He got some bad news that he was ill and on the verge of death. He didn't fear it. He listened to the Father. This is the deal. Many are reacting to the devil instead of responding to the Father. And you will not overcome that way. Eyes on the promise keeper, not on the problem. Eyes off the promise. I mean, off the problem, on the promise. Amen? Amen. So, let's read it. John uh, 1. Uh, I mean, sorry, 11, 1 through 45. And it's a little messed up on my iPad, so we'll try and get through it here. Uh, it says, in the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus. How many of you have heard this story? It's a pretty famous one, yeah. And his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry her, his feet with her long hair. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. When he heard this, he said, the sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. And so also this virus, this will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Finally, on the third day, say the third day. Your Bible is full of pictures. You need to see the picture. Let him paint a picture in front of you. He said to his disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. But teacher, they said to him, do you really want to go back there? It was just a short time ago. Did you forget? Did you forget Jesus just a short time ago? The people of Judea were going to stone you. Yeah, that's like with rocks, not with, you know, rocks. (laughs) 
Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight in every day? You can go through a day. This is a great promise for everyone here, everyone watching online. You can go through a day without the fear of stumbling when you walk in the one who gives light to the world. But you will stumble when the light is not in you, for you'll be walking in the dark. Jesus replied, oh yeah, that's where it's messed up. All right. Then Jesus added, that's my iPad messed up, not the scripture. Sorry about that. Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time that I go and awaken him. When they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he's just fallen asleep, he'll get better. Now, here's what you need to understand about what's happening with the disciples. They're still afraid of dying. (laughs) They're like, oh, he's just taking a nap. That's good. That's healthy. That's what you do when you're sick. You rest. He'll get better. We don't need to go where they want to kill you and where we... They want to kill us. We don't need to go because he's just sleeping. Yeah, that's called a theological excuse for disobedience. (laughs) I know none of you have that or those. No one online wants. Just me. I'm the only one with those. I'm the only one with theological ideas and paradigms that don't fit in the word of God. I'm the only one who needs a revelation. (laughs) I'm just, I know for sure it's me. I don't know for sure if it's you. I know for sure I do. Amen? You can say amen to that. It's good. Like, do we amen? Do we not? I don't know. All right. If he's falling asleep, he'll get better. Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. Then Jesus made a plan to them. Lazarus is dead. I mean, he's just got to say it sometimes. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Come again, Jesus Because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go and see him. So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, remarked to the other disciples, let's go so we can die with him. Still doesn't get it. He's like, we're going to die. We're all going to die. It's time to die, guys. Let's go. Come on. And Jesus is like, okay, at least you're coming. At least you're coming with. You know, he doesn't wait for us to get all our theology right to, to use us. He's like, are your feet moving? I can use you. All right. Oh, you're super deceived, but let's go. Uh, just me. Just me. God only treats me that way. Sorry. I, can't, I have to continually remind you that I'm the only one with problems. So <laughs> I'm being funny, obviously, because humor helps. Now, <laughs> It's, the, it's like the laughing gas of the Holy Ghost. It helps the surgery happen a little better, you know? <laughs> oh, let's go so we can die with him. Now, now, when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Many friends of Mary and Martha had come to the region to console him over the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Now, let me just give you a little bit of props for Martha, okay? Martha sought the Lord. Mary sat in her grief. Everybody's dogging on Martha because she made a sandwich Jesus didn't order that one time. I mean, the poor girl has such a bad rap. She sought Jesus. She heard Jesus is near. And Mary sat in her grief. Martha wins in this story. The tale of two sisters. This one, she's winning. She's going for it. I love it. We need the Marthas. Has anyone felt like it's a curse that you're a Martha? Yeah? 
I break that off you right now. You're a seeker of truth. You're a truth seeker. Don't be Martha. Why not? Thing is, just obey. Like, do what he's doing. Say what he's saying. And don't think you have better ideas than him. Okay? All right. I know. It's so challenging. When Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, my Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. That's faith, man. That's faith. Four days dead. That's faith. Faith giant. Martha's a faith giant. She's in the cloud of witnesses listening to you curse her. So stop. I love you. <laughs> I have to remind you sometimes. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on resurrection day. This is where she's like, yeah, I know he's going to. I understand what you're saying. And she's like, no, you don't understand a thing I'm saying. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then Martha replied, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God who's come into the world for us. Then she left and hurried off to her sister Mary and called her aside from all the mourners and whispered to her, the master is here and asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she quickly ran off to find him. For Jesus was lingering outside the village, taking his happy little time at the same spot where Martha met him. Come on, you're like, Lord, where are you? He's like, I'm exactly where I need to be. I'll get there when I need to get there. The Lord is, you know, it might look late to you. But it's not. Come on. (sighs) Finding my spot on my iPad. This is not a spiritual moment. This is just me looking for where I was. Now, when Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed how quickly she ran out of the house, they followed her, assuming she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all of her friends who were with her grieving, he corrected her theology, said she didn't have enough faith, and rebuked her. Oh, I was reading the book of opinions. Sorry. Chapter one. My bad. He shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. If there are people around you that are afraid, move with compassion for them. Don't say they have a lack of faith. That's not what Jesus did. That's not what he's doing. It's actually the opposite of what he's doing. And you know what happens when you do the opposite of what the anointed one is doing? You're operating in the spirit of antichrist. So who's got the real problem? Their lack of faith or your antichrist encouragement? I love you enough to tell you. He said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you. They replied. They replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look at how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, isn't this the one who opens blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Because 
God is not a God of confusion, but he is a God of nonsense. As in, it's not always going to make sense to your tiny little brain. He's not confused. He's not unstable. Unstable. Because that word confusion in the Greek is actually in that verse. He's not a God of confusion. It's instability. He's not, he doesn't have a stability issue within himself. But a lot of things he does are confusing. Anyone ever been confused by the nonsense God seems up to? It doesn't make sense to your brain? Yeah? Okay. Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb. A cave with a stone placed over its entrance. You see the pictures? This is all pictures. Seventh miracle in the Gospel of John. Cave with a tomb placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha used wisdom and said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now his body is already decomposing. It's going to stank. You open that thing, it's going to smell really bad. Let's use wisdom, Jesus. Use wisdom now. I love you. I love you. I love you. I have to remind you, I love you. We need heavenly wisdom, not natural sight. We need to see from heaven, not for it. Okay? That's what Debbie prayed. She prayed from heaven, from the authority of heaven. That's such a beautiful example. Thank you for doing that today. By now his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you? That if you believe in me, you will see God unveil his power. So they rolled away the heavy stone. And Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer. For you listen to every word I speak. Now so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger. I will use the power you have given me. Now let me tell you what he's saying there. The Jews had a belief that the spirit of someone actually stays in the tomb with the body for three days. This was day number four on purpose. He says, now that these here standing will know. Because they all thought, it well, if Jesus came within three days, well, that's not that hard. His spirit's still in the tomb with them. It just goes back in. But no, this is a complete death and a complete resurrection. That's what's going on here. Four days. I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. I just want to read it to you properly. I just want to read the Bible correctly. Lazarus, please come on out of there. Nice, docile, don't offend anybody, Jesus. Jesus is the most radically offensive person to ever walk the earth. You think I'm offensive? Just wait till God grabs the microphone. You're going to be in trouble. (laughs) Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had his grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands, his feet, and covering his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him. Many of those Jews who had different paradigms believed in him. For they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. Say that really happened. Say that really happened. This is history. It's his story. It's true. It's not a parable. It's not a fantasy book. That really happened. 
It happened. Here's the deal. Jesus was raised, but still walking in his grave clothes. Hello, American church. Many are found, but not many are free. We exist as a church for the lost to be found. Help me. The found to be free and for peace to reign in our city. That means I'm doing my job, if you know our mission. I like that. That means the found need to get free. Do you know any found bound? Any bound found? Are they in your chair? It's okay. I won't look. We need to realize that even though we've been raised with Christ, Ephesians says that, in the likeness of his resurrection, Romans 6 says that, we still need to get free of what bound us. Are you with me? Jesus told the people to unwrap him and let him loose. Listen very closely. Jesus raised him. The people freed him. Jesus raised him. The people freed him. We're all like, you need to take that to Jesus. You need to go in your prayer closet and deal with that mess. And don't come back to me until you figure it out. And Jesus is like, I sent him into your closet. I gave them to you. I actually trusted you to free them. How? How? Well, the body is called to build itself up in love. The body of Christ is called to set each other free. Why? Because free people, free people. That's the truth. Now, how does that happen? This is the picture. There's pictures in this, and it's going to give us a roadmap as to how to help one another get free. I need more freedom. Are you humble enough to say, I need more freedom? I need to be more free than I am right now. I like how free I am, but I want to get more free. I don't need any more freedom. Uh, You're exhibit A for those who need freedom. The grave clothes. He came hobbling out in his grave clothes, right? And they were wrapped around three places, very specific. Everything in your Bible is on purpose. Everything is on purpose, okay? It was wrapped around his hands. Say his hands. His feet. And his face. Now, just to bring you into my process, I got a revelation about this. I got a revelation reading this story that I've never had before. Whenever you get a revelation from Scripture, you need to let Scripture confirm it. Let everything be confirmed with two or three witnesses, right? So I asked the Lord to confirm this revelation with another Scripture. So before I give you the revelation, I'm going to read the other witness, the other Scripture. Here it is, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Like Martha, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's see if you see this. Let's see if you see this. Lay aside every weight. Run with endurance, looking to Jesus. Lay aside every weight. Run with endurance. Looking to Jesus. The hands. The hands. This is a picture, a prophetic picture of your ability to co-labor with God. Your ability to work. There, this is what it looks like. I'm trying to boil it down for you. There are many in the church with dreams in their hearts, but no skills in their hands. Many with dreams in their hearts to do something amazing, but no skills to get it done because they've been carrying the weight of yesterday. They got the grave clothes still wrapped around their wrists. 
They haven't been carrying the weight that builds them for the call. They've been carrying the weight of their yesterday, which keeps them from their call. And they need to lay aside these weights. Lay aside. And we are the church. We're supposed to help them do that. These look like limiting beliefs. These look like you're, you're, you're saying, God's called me to this, but it's so impossible. I, would, I could never do that. Well, nothing is impossible for you. So that's a belief issue. Limiting beliefs will keep you there. This is a picture of co-laboring with God to see heaven come to earth. Some are raised to life in Christ, but are not laboring with God to see heaven come to earth. Some are raised up to heavenly places with God. They even know they are, but they're not releasing heaven back to earthly places. They've just got their fire insurance. I used to be that guy. That's why I can talk like this. I used to be that guy. Well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Praise God. To heaven with me, too, with everybody else. I'm keeping this as PG as possible. <laughs> Just leaving blanks. And if you get it, you get it. Amen. Revelation truth has to be given to these people in order to see them released to be God's co-laborers. These people meaning you and I. We need revelation truth. We need something to be revealed, like your hands to be unveiled. That's what revelation means. Unwrapped. Now, here's the really cool thing I forgot to mention. But the word when it says that since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that is the word to wear a garment. Since we're clothed, wrapped with a great cloud of witnesses, let us not be wrapped by the grave clothes of yesterday. That's what that word surrounded means. So cool. So the hands to lay aside every weight in the sin, which clings so closely. The grave clothes, right? Come on. The feet. Let us run with endurance the race marked out for us. This is a picture of our ability to bring the good news to others. It's not you just to have it for you. It's you to take it somewhere and give it to those who need it. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. This is the body talking to the body. This is the church talking to the church. The church saying to the church, Your God reigns. This is the church bringing good news. This is the ability to run into your destiny and not be held back, not be tripped up, releasing us into our true callings and the full measure of maturity. How many of you want to be released into your full measure of maturity and calling? Yeah. You're going to need the body of Christ. Last, the face. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our truth. This is a picture of the face. is the ability to have intimacy and experience the presence of God. Intimacy with God and experiencing the presence. There is no Hebrew word for presence. There's only the Hebrew word for face. You are no longer in my presence right now. But now you are. Because we see each other's faces. These people, because of the hair, it's a little difficult. So I have to turn, you know. So... You need to be face-to-face -face with God. That's why in a gathering like this, some will be experiencing God in a tangible way and others won't. Because some have their eyes on the problem more than the promise. Some have their eyes on their spouse more than their heavenly bridegroom. <laughs> it's about being face-to-face -face with Jesus, catching the gaze of the Lord. That's how you experience the presence of God. That's why we encourage people to close their eyes, get your eyes off the natural, all that stuff. So anyway, this is a picture. Do you see this? The face, I mean, being wrapped is a picture. The burial shroud on his face is a picture of the veil of self-worth issues and int intimacy obstacles. You don't believe you're, 
you're beautiful enough to be beholding the Lord. We say the, the, the skies declare the glory of the Lord. Look at the heavens. They're beautiful. Oh, that's amazing. But we look in the mirror and say, oh, you're so ugly. When you're called God's workmanship, his best work, the word is poetry in the Greek. I believe it's Ephesians 2.10. I might be wrong about that. But we are God's best piece of work. You're a piece of work. A good piece of work. The best piece of work. You're his masterpiece. You're his poem on the earth. You're God's poetry. So this burial shroud kept him from intimacy with God. It's a picture of that. But it also is an intimate, a picture of intimacy being uh, barred off from each other. A lack of ability to see one another. Have you ever met someone who won't look you in the eyes? They're wearing their burial shroud still. Yeah. A Christian who won't look you in the eyes, yeah. But this is the beautiful thing. This is what I love about this picture. Because they weren't like taking the, the burial shroud off his head like this, like, uh, what? I, I don't know what's going to happen. What does he look like? They're not like pulling it off. They had to get up there and like get in his grill and pull it off, you know? But here's what's beautiful about that. The first thing Lazarus saw was the face of his friends. <laughs> the first thing he saw on his resurrection day was the face of his friends. We need to see Jesus in the face of our friends. This is also the ability to see and to speak. This is the release of the prophetic insight and unction. And this is why we do things like Activate coming up, our conference coming up. Because the church is called to activate believers in their ability to see into the spirit and declare what they see. Amen. Jesus raised Lazarus, but the people freed Lazarus. Jesus raised you, but the people are going to free you. We are the body of Christ. We're called to set the captives free. We must unwrap the hands, feet, and face of those around us. Now, this requires a really scary word. Are you ready? Trust. You start a church like, and you call it the resting place. All the church burnt out people come. We're not unaware. We know. We pay attention. Who do we have coming? Who are we ministering to? Oh, a bunch of church hurt people. Uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You know, if somebody can press your buttons, it means you have buttons. I mean, just saying. Just saying. Mark Tubbs came last week. And who didn't hear that message from last Sunday? I need you to go back and watch it. It's on our YouTube page. It's one of the most pivotal words we've ever gotten as a church. We are pivoting. In a big way. And if you don't watch that message, you won't understand why. Okay? We are shifting. We are changing. We are growing. Amen? Amen? Our, we've outgrown our systems. We've outgrown our ability to care for the body, so we need to grow. Our systems and our ability to care. So that's what we're doing. But he said last week, in this season, that we are going to need to be able to trust people more than we've ever trusted them before. That's the word of the Lord for this house right now. So listen, it can be scary to let someone close enough to you in order to unwrap you from your grave clothes. It can be scary. But if we don't, we'll be hobbling around, unable to work, see, or speak. Come to the church. Jesus loves you. He loves me. Look what he did for me. Are you, are you still there? Where are you? Where are you? Come, come back. I'm, I'm evangelizing you. 
I know you want what I have. I know. Come here. Come here. Jesus, I believe it. Believe it. Do you believe it? Say this prayer. Say this prayer with me. <laughs> You're laughing because it's like last week for something. <laughs> we need to say yes to trusting the body of Christ to release us into our destiny. We need to say yes to that. You need to trust your brothers and sisters. Once again, especially if your brothers and sisters are the ones that hurt you. You need to be reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. You need to deal with it. Your destiny awaits. Your maturity is on the other side of your trust. I know it's scary. But we're going to pray. We're going to pray all together for this thing to happen. Amen? Amen. I'm going to have Pastor Jimmy come up and the restoration team. And they're going to pray and agree with you for your grave clothes to be left at the altar here. <laughs> Expect to see in the spirit a bunch of grave clothes laid in up here. We see some from the first gathering already. I can see them. There's a burial. There's a face. There's some hands. I can see them. <laughs> I like to do this stuff just to freak some of you out. It's good. <laughs> Well, there it is. Oh. oh, I like messing with you. It's fun. But this team has faith for everyone, okay? And they will stay and pray for you. We need you to get your Johnson World Changers from the CEC first, if you've got little ones in there. But please come. They will come and agree with you. They'll release you from those things. And it won't be the only time. You know, there's going to be more opportunity for you to be released into your destiny. Amen? Amen? But right now, we're just going to pray. Put your hand on your heart. And if you, if you don't have to say what I'm saying, but if it resonates, go ahead and repeat after me. Father God, I believe you when you say that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Our online community, please pray this too. Yeah, come on. We say yes, Lord, to your body functioning the way you want it to. I say yes to trusting my brothers and sisters again. I say yes to trusting spiritual fathers and mothers again. Fathers and mothers again. I say yes to you healing my heart with the hands of your body. I say yes. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to release me into my full destiny through your body at work around me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place. Activate Tampa is April 3rd through 4th. Don't miss this opportunity to be activated in the prophetic gifts with Dan McCollum and his world-class team. Check out all the details on our Facebook page now.